Hey, this is Pastor Chris with Believer City Church. Listen, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message on today. It's my prayer that something said will encourage you to believe in God, believe in yourself, and believe in others. And with that being said, let's jump straight into the message. Listen, I want to get into the word of the Lord on today. So if you don't mind, can you repeat after me? Say, Father God, God, I'm here today today. seeking a word from you. So open my ears so that I can hear. Touch my heart so that I will feel. And renewing me a right mind so that I will do. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. All of God's people says, amen, amen. We are kicking off a new series on this final Sunday of the year 2018 entitled Healing. This is the series we're going to be dealing with for the next three or four weeks entitled Healing. And what the objective of this message, this series is, is to help us place, place ourselves in a position where we understand that our problems are under our control. Uh, oftentimes, we spend a lot of time complaining about what we're going through and asking God to fix some things that we could fix ourselves. And it's not by happenstance that we come up on this series, this message at this time of year, because at this point, everybody has already began to form these unique things that we call resolutions. Uh, This is what we come and we say, listen, I don't want to be fat in the year 2019. And so I'm going to step away from the table instead of getting two plates, I'm going to get one plate. I'm going to walk a little bit more. I'm going to pay for a gym membership all year long that I'm only going to use once. We begin to make these New Year's resolutions. Uh, We say that we're going to be better in our relationships, that we're going to do better with our finances because we don't want to be broke. We, We come up with all these unique ideas that we know that we need to do, but for some reason we fail to implement them we fail to move forward not everybody some people it actually works out for uh, but some people they actually fail at doing these things because the, the, the mind may want it but the heart doesn't desire it I mean every year I talk about I'm gonna lose weight but when the oxtails come around I don't turn my back on a plate I love my oxtails it's just, just who I am And so, although my mind may want it, my heart doesn't desire it. And so, as a result of it, I don't move forward with it. I don't pursue it because it really has not came into a point where it has affected me in a manner that requires me to change where I am so that I can be where I want to be. And so today, as we kick off this series entitled Healing, the reason why I want to focus on healing rather than a resolution, because a resolution is just a thought. A resolution is an idea. A resolution uh, is a motive that may not be filled and packed with meaning. But healing is something different. Healing is something unique. Why? Because in order for healing to take place, uh, there has to be a problem that has to be identified. Uh, When I cut myself, I don't just sit there and look at it. I want to be healed. I want something to change. I don't want to sit there and bleed out. If I have to go to the doctor and get stitches, I go get stitches. And Because what I understand is that in order for something to change about my current situation, my current circumstances, I have to do something about it. I have to do something about it. And when we deal with this idea of healing, I want you to realize that there's three things that take place in a healing process. Three things that take place. You can write these down. Rich Hart will have them on the screen here momentarily. And these three, three things are simply this, that you have to realize it. You have to realize that something is wrong. You have to be willing to react as, a resu- as it relates 
to what is wrong. So you realize, you react, and then the third principle is simply that you receive whatever it is that you're looking for. You realize, you react, and you receive whatever it is that you're looking for. Most people, if you've ever seen a person that was in an accident or something that they hurt themselves, uh, sometimes their adrenaline is pumping so much that if they don't see what has happened to them, they don't even feel the pain. They're still pushing through life. They're still going through things like everything is okay. But the moment that they stop and they take a minute and they pause and they look at it and they realize that something has happened to them, they instantly go into pain and panic mode because they see that there is a problem. They see that something is wrong. And as a result of it, by them realizing, it leads to them reacting. Once I see that something is wrong, then now I want to do something about it to fix it. Some of them begin to try to pull whatever has impeded inside of them out of them. Some of them begin to try to bandage up whatever room that they have because they believe that now that I see that something wrong with me, if I see it, I can fix it. And as a result of it, they do things that they believe will make a difference with the hope that they will receive the outcome that they're looking for. I believe that the year 2019 for us, I can't speak for everybody, but I know also for me, will be a year of healing. It will be a year of healing for me because of the simple fact that I've been through some things that have broke me. I've been through some things that have hurt me. Uh, some people have let me down. And as a result of it, I need some healing from those things. If, if I don't want to take that into 2019, if I don't want to hold my, my next relationships with new members and different people uh, responsible for what old people have done, I need to heal from whatever it is that I went through in 2018. I'm not going to waste my time and make a resolution that I'm not going to trust people no more or make a re resolution that I'm not going to allow anybody to get that close to me anymore. What I'm going to do is I'm going to find a way to heal from what I've been through so that I can be more productive in the year 2019. Uh, for some of us, when we talk about healing, healing is, will be reconciliation. Because some of us, we, we have some broken ties with some friends and family that we need some healing to reconcile us with those individuals, to bring us back closer together. The, you know, those people that come around at family reunion and just when they walk in the door, your body just begins to itch and cream. Those people, uh, some of us need to, to mend some of those relationships. For some of us, healing is restoration because some of us have been put, placed in a position where we feel like we have nothing. We have no one and we need God to restore us to a position that shows that we have value, that we're worth something to somebody. So for some of us in the year 2019, we will be looking for God to restore us back to who we were or better than who we were. Amen. And for some of us, we have to understand that, that uh, healing can also be re reciprocation. We need somebody to give back to us what they've taken from us. We feeling like we've, we've given so much of ourselves out. We've opened ourselves to, to so many people. So many people have done nothing but take, take, take. And now we're looking for some. I need somebody to give to me. 2019 will be a year that we receive our healing. When I thought about this, I couldn't help but to think of a text of scripture that uh, just resonated with my spirit. And I found myself in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, before I even get to where we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, because I know that everybody is not a Bible scholar. I know that everybody does not study their Bibles on Monday through Saturday. Some of us just get it on Sunday. And so I want to bring you up to where we are in the text. 2 uh, Chronicles, not Corinthians, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 uh, deals with an individual named 
uh, Samuel. We deal with the individual named Samuel, or Solomon. We deal with the individual named Solomon. And if you don't know who Solomon is, Solomon is the son of David. Solomon is the son of David. David uh, was the man that had God's, he was after God's own heart. David was this, the, you know David and Goliath, you know who David is. You know the obstacles that David overcome. David had, Saul was trying to attack him. We talked about David uh, periodically through the, through the year. And, and so David had a son named Solomon, but David had a desire to build God a temple. That's what David wanted to do. He loved God so much he wanted to build him a temple. But God told David, listen, you're not going to do it. You're going to do some other great things, but I'm going to put you in a position where your son will build a temple. So Solomon is, is created. He's born. He, he already has a purpose in life. And so Solomon's purpose is to eventually to take uh, the kingdom of God, the people of Israel, further and also to build a temple uh, where they can, where God's presence will be known in, in the midst of the people. And so Solomon builds this temple. And what happens in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 6 is is Solomon does this amazing thing when I looked at the text. He spends a whole chapter just praying. He spends a whole chapter just praying. And, and the reason why he prays is because he understands that people have problems. Solomon, Solomon is not saying that, that the people are messed up now because we know the track record of the people, the children of Israel. They were up with God one minute and down the next minute. They liked them one second and they left them the next second. And, and so they were always wishy-washy. And Solomon understood that. So Solomon says, listen, we built this temple for God. Let me do this first. I want to make sure that God knows our heart. And Solomon spends the whole chapter 6 saying, God, we are imperfect people that will do imperfect things, but we need to experience your perfect peace. Yes, yes. Over and over throughout the text, he's, he mentions, God, if we do this wrong, but God, if we do this right, can you please forgive us? I, I know that we're flawed. I know that we're imperfected, but God, can you find a way to forgive us in the midst of what we're going to? Before he even moves into the new, he's already yes. for seeking for, forgiveness for what he knows is going to fall short. Pastor, why are you bringing this? Because 2019 is new to us, but guess what? Somewhere you're going to fall short. Somewhere it's not going to work out how you planned it to work out. But the thing is that Solomon was prepared for the problem. He was prepared for the problem because he, he before the problems even existed, he led off with prayer. Many of us are not prepared for what can go wrong because we don't ever spend enough time praying. Uh, and so what happens, instead of us understanding that, God, things can go south. God, that yes, I may be imperfect. I may tell this lie. I may do this wrong. I may end up in the wrong relationship. But, God, I need you to find a way to cover me in the midst of where I go wrong so that I can find myself back in your presence, back in your grace. And, and, and Solomon said, listen, we are imperfect people serving a perfect God. And the only way we're going to get right is, God, when we fall, if you forgive us. When we fall, if you're willing to forgive us. He spends the whole chapter 6 talking about these issues, these problems. And then what happens, it leads off in chapter 7, and a, a fire comes in and engulfs the temple, and God's presence is in the temple, and Solomon and God has a conversation. Solomon and God has a conversation. So I want to make sure that you understand something. Before he walked in, before they celebrated, before anything happened in the new, 
They already spent time praying about it. Solomon already spent time praying about it because he knew that there was nothing wrong with the place. There was nothing wrong with God as the person, but there was something wrong with him and the people. Many of us are going to 2019 blaming everybody else for our problems. But the one thing that I love what Solomon did before he moved into the next chapter, he accepted responsibility for where he was wrong. How many of us accepted responsibility for being in relationships we never should have been in in the first place? How many of us have accepted responsibility for being broke, for being in debt, because we spent what we never should have spent in the first place? We're steady asking God, give me more, but the problem is that we hadn't done what we're supposed to do with what we have. You can make every resolution that you could possibly want to make. You can delete everybody you want to delete from Facebook, delete them from your phone, X them out, tell them that you're through with them, you're done with them, they're dead to you. But if you are still the problem, what will happen is that the next relationship relationship you will go into will be just as toxic as the last. Solomon didn't want that to happen, so he said, listen, we jacked. We wrong. I know it. But God, that means we need you more. We need you in every way possible, in every area of our lives. So the Spirit of God engulfs this place because he hears the prayers of his people. He hears the prayers of Solomon, and, and there's a conversation that begins to happen between Solomon and God. And I fall in love with this because what we look in, in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, if you can read along with me, you'll see it in your Bible, you can find it on screen. I'm reading for the New American Standard Bible. This is what it says. This is what it says. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord, the king's palace, and successfully completed all that he had planned on doing in the house of the Lord and in his palace. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Verse 13, if I set up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, this is where I fall in love with verse 9, 4, 14. And my people, catch this, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and guess that, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins, and will heal the land. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins, and will heal the land. For a moment today, as we kick off this series and deal with this text, I simply want to title today's message, Realizing Who You Are. Realizing Who You Are. Earlier, we talked about the healing process, and oftentimes, in order for the healing process to begin, the first thing that you have to do is realize. You have to realize that there's something wrong in the first place. Many of us fail to ever heal in marriages, heal in finances, heal in relationships, heal on jobs, because we don't realize that something's wrong. 
The enemy keeps us so busy or we think that we don't have an opportunity to receive anything greater. And as a result of it, what we do is we begin to find ourselves settling for what we have, where we are. And as a result of it, instead of trying to fix the problem, we begin to fix ourselves to fit the problem. You were never meant to submit yourself to the issue. The issue has a responsibility to submit itself to you. So many of us allow ourselves to be put in situations and circumstances that change who we are so that we can fit to what they need us to be. Uh, some of us are unhappy in relationships because we have lost ourselves. Why? Because we have found ourselves trying to be who they want us to be instead of who we, we know we are to be. Some of us are unhappy on our jobs because we've lost ourselves. We we don't even know who we are. We wake up and look at ourselves in the mirror. We don't even recognize ourselves anymore because of the fact that we have neglected who we really are to become who they want us to be. And so today is a day that I want to deal with the first part of the text in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 is I want to remind you, I want you to realize who you are. Because I, I believe in order for you to start fixing anything that's going wrong in your life, anything that's broken, anything that just doesn't seem right, you first got to know you. If you don't know who you are, you don't know what you should endure, what you shouldn't endure, what you deserve, what you don't deserve. And so I want to make sure that we spend time identifying who is it that I am? How can I really help who I am. And so the first thing that the text taught me when I looked at this, when I began to look at the speech that God gave him, God simply says this, uh, if my people who are called by my name, and we could ignore that, we can skip over that, we can write it off, but there's a lot of power just in those words. My people who are called by my name. And so I began to understand and I began to question myself, God, what is it that you want me to share with your people who are called by your name? What did that mean to your people who are called by your name? Why is it so important that you stress that they are your people who are called by your name? And one of the first things that God helped me realize is simply this, I am somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I, you, you may need to say that to yourself. Help me today. Say, I am Somebody. somebody. Uh, y'all don't believe it. Can y'all just say it one more time? I am, I am somebody. somebody. The first thing that the text teaches me about who I am, I am somebody. The reason why many of us are in the situations that we're in in life that we're not happy about is because we have forgotten our own value. We have forgotten who we are. And God leads his conversation off and he says, listen, if my people who are called by my name. In other words, I don't care how imperfect you are. You still my people. You belong to me. And what that leads me to understand is my people who are called by my name, every, per every person is designed with a unique purpose. If you don't know anything about yourself as you move into the year 2019, you shouldn't just float through the year like you have no purpose. You are uniquely designed with a purpose. God has handcrafted.
crafted you for a reason. As a result of that, you can say, I am somebody. I'm not just an accident. I don't care what my mama and daddy did to get me here. God already predestined a plan for me. I am somebody. Many of us forget how important we are because nobody has poured into you and said that you are somebody. People have called you ugly. People have called you dark, light. People have called you broke, trash. They've said everything that they could possibly think of except saying that you are a child of God. And the problem is that we take on the identity that people give us instead of the identity that God has given you. Can I, can I help you? The, the same people that God is saying, if my people who are called by my name, these were the same individuals that was enslaved by Pharaoh. So God says they're his people, but Pharaoh say you're my slave. Can I, can I help you understand something? That you can't live life according to what people are calling you. If you live life according to what people are calling you, guess what happens? You become in bondage to people instead of in bondage to God. If I had to be in bondage to somebody, I would rather be a servant, a slave to God than I am to people. Why? Because at least I know God is going to do right by me. The problem is when you take on the identity of people, then they treat you however they want to treat you. They talk about you however they want to talk about you. They put you down. They use you. So listen, the thing is that, that you have to understand God's title for you is greater than any person's title of you. I, I, I can't help but to think in my marriage, I have a great marriage. I love my wife. I'm glad my kids are gone because yeah. <laughs> me and my wife, that's my boo. That's my girlfriend. We do our thing. Uh, it's just that simple. And, and so, so it is, I want to make sure that you understand. Uh, um, I'm her husband, but not because she calls me her husband. I'm her husband because God has placed me as her husband. Why does that make a difference? Because her expectation of a husband may not be good enough for me. Her expectation of a husband may limit me from being the best that I could possibly ever be. But because God is the creator of the first relationship, because God is the creator of marriage, of the union, God specifically designs my responsibility as it relates to my role as a husband. I love the text where God says, listen, uh, husbands, love your wife like Christ loves the church. It didn't say love your wife like you love Beyonce. Because the church ain't always going to look pretty. It didn't say love your wife like Donald Trump loved his money. Because the church ain't always going to be financially stable. You have to love the church. and it's in, Christ loves the church because it's imperfected. And he perfects it. He completes it. He adds value to it. And so as a husband, I understand that I have a role, I have a responsibility to add value to my wife. If I accepted the role of a husband as desperate housewives or the ATL house husbands, whatever, if, I, if, I, if they were the ideal of what a husband looked like, we would have a lot of problems in my house. Coming home whenever I want to, having babies outside of my marriage, all of these type of things. We would have a lot of issues. But the thing is that I can't let the world define what a husband is for me. I have to accept God's calling, what God created it to be. 
you can't allow the world to define who you are or how much you're worth. God is the one that creates that value. God is the one that, that formed you, and he knows your worth. Because every person has a purpose. Oftentimes, the reason why we walk around accepting anything and everything is because we don't know our purpose. And the reason why we don't know our purpose is because we have not connected with the power source. We have not connected with that which can define who we are, which gives us the ability to know who we are and what we're supposed to do. Prime example, you take a laptop, you take a laptop, you bring it in a room. Now, a laptop has a unique function. It, it connects you. You're able to do things. You're able to type things. You're able to communicate with people. But in order for the laptop to function, it has to connect to another source. Not just the power source, but it has something that has what it needs to connect them to everyone else. And, and that thing is called the Internet. Whether you're hardwired or you're Wi-Fi, you have to have that Internet to connect you in order so that the computer can actually do what it's designed to do. Without that internet, without that connection, then you can't serve your purpose. For us as human beings, as humanity, in order for us to become who we're supposed to be as children of God, people of God, Christians, we need a connection, and that connection is nothing less than Christ. The reason why many of us are suffering and failing to be productive in life is because we're missing that connection. Your marriage is not being productive because you don't have the connection. Your job is not being productive because you don't have the connection. Your finances is not being prosperous because you don't have the connection. The connection is what lets us know as people what our purpose is and our position. This is what the text shows us. He says, if my people who are called by my name, people have purpose but your purpose is connected to your position. The, the second thing that he shows me that I begin to realize by looking in the text is not only am I somebody, but I love this because he shows me that I am not alone. Everybody say it. I'm not, I'm not alone. alone. That is the biggest trick of the enemy for a believer is to make you think that you're going through this thing by yourself. Catch the phrase, if my people who are called by my name. He didn't say if my person. He said if my People who are called by my name. I am not alone. You are not alone. You're not in this by yourself. I hate when people are going through things and they separate themselves from the church and they say, well, pastor, this is just how I do life. I got to get over this. I don't want to bring my problems to the church. I, I'm just trying to do me. I'm trying to figure me out. The reason why that's an issue, because I want to make sure that you understand something. Community was created to complete God's creation. Community was created to complete God's creation. You don't believe me. Look at when he created Adam. He says what? It's not good for man to be alone. He begins to form all of these animals and everything that Adam could name and they wasn't good enough. And so what? He says, let me make you a helpmate. He creates the first community. Why? Because community is important to the creation of God. You are not in this alone. The Bible says forsake not the assembly of the righteous. It didn't say perfect, but it said righteous. Why are we righteous? Because of Christ who lives with inside of us. Community was created to complete God's creation. The biggest trick that the enemy wants to play on you and this year has played on you and this year and wants to play in you on next year is to make you think that you are alone. Single people struggle because I feel alone. Church people struggle because everybody treats me like I don't even belong. I feel alone. 
My family don't love me. I'm the black sheep of the family. I'm alone. All of these are tricks that are designed to alienate you from understanding that you have a community of people that are going through this with you. And all you have to do is connect with the people because he says, if my people who are called by my name, let me tell you something, there's power in unity. There is power in unity. My dad's not here today. I like to talk about my dad when I preach because uh, growing up, they used to tell me all types of stories. Uh, they used to call, I don't know if it was my dad or my Uncle Jimmy, one of them was Brutus and the other one, I guess, was Brutus and Papa because they used to just go around fighting all the time. It's just what they do. They go around fighting all the time. They would defend their sisters. They would, they would, it's just, it's what they, it's what they did. And, and the crazy thing is that people would, oft, I, I, people would often think they had a chance when it was just one of them. But when it was more than one of them, because it was several of them in the family, them Robinson boys would come and they would have issues because they had a community. Can I help you understand something? The devil seeks to get you off by yourself. Because if he can get you by yourself, then he has a great time. To, he has a greater opportunity to, to beat you in the midst of whatever you're going through. But the truth of the matter is, if you stay with a community, if you could just open up and tell somebody else, listen, I'm struggling with this. I'm going through this. Can you pray with me on this? Can you help me through this? If you can find somebody that ain't going to talk about you, but that will talk to you, and that you can help and tie hands with them and grow with them, you will be amazed at how God can make things happen. Catch this, because the word says what? Where two or three gather together in my name. I'm just preaching Bible. I'm not making this up. I want to make sure that you understand what happens. Community was created to complete God's creation. It makes things better. I'm not alone. Everybody think that they're going through something by them back. The, 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 the devil is only attacking my finances. The, the devil is only attacking my marriage. The, the devil is only attacking my health. You are not the only one that's under attack. The devil is after a unique group of people who are children of God, people of God, better known as Christians. And as a result of it, God says it's my people who are called by my name. So the thing I can celebrate about going into year 2019, I not only know that I'm, I am somebody, but I also know that I'm not in this by myself. I'm not in this alone. He helps me understand that that wolf seeks to get a sheep off by itself. And although sheep don't have much power, they don't have sharp teeth. They don't have all these unique skills. As long as they are in a pack, they don't have to ever about worrying about being attacked. He always goes out to the one that separates himself from the flock. This is why my heart hurts when people say, I don't need the church. You're right. You don't need the church to know God. You're right. I can admit that publicly. But the thing is, that with your relationship, not only with God, but your relationship with other believers, it makes you stronger. It puts in a level of accountability, stability, a, a, a ability to have encouragement so that you can push on. I'm not going to waste my time in the year 2019 fighting with people about why they don't go to church. You're right. You don't have to go. But can we connect? Can we connect? Can you? Can, let me show you what fellowship really looks like between you and I. And maybe if you, if you feed off my fellowship, then maybe you'll want to come and join a real fellowship. Because we were not created to go through life by ourselves. We were not created to struggle by ourselves. God, that, that's not part of God's plan. So God shows in that one statement, in that one statement, that if my people who are called by my name, he shows that, listen, you are somebody. You're my people. He goes on and he goes to say that you're not alone because you are a group of people. You're not the only one that's going through things. 
You're not the only one that's burdened down. You're not the only one that gets stressed out. You're not the only one that I've told that if you suffer with me, you shall reign with me. You're not the only one that I've told, count it all joy when you fall on diverse times and situations. You're not the only one that's going through. Others are going through too. But the thing that I get the most joy about is not that he shows me that I am somebody. Not that he shows me that I'm not alone. But in understanding when he says, if my people who are called by my name, he shows me that I am his. I don't know about you, but that is what brings me the greatest joy in the text. It's because he shows me that I am his. He didn't just call me a people. He didn't just say I was called by a name. But he says, if my people, ownership, that is called by my name, he shows me that I belong to somebody, and I get happy about that because what it shows me as an individual, not only am I not created to be independent, but I am totally called to be dependent on who he is. If my people who are called by my name, he takes ownership of who I am. I don't talk about this often. I think today is a great opportunity to do so. I've said it to, to some of you who have been here for me, with me for a while. You already know, but my father, who I call my dad, who is here, uh, he's not here today, but he's normally ever here every Sunday. He's not my biological father. He's not my biological father. However, he's been the only man that I've known in my life since the age of two. And for a while as a young boy, not knowing the value of somebody who takes ownership of you, I was very, I was very uh, resistant to his love. Didn't understand that he was looking out for me. I didn't understand that in the aspect of him correcting me, he was trying to guide me. I felt like you just hate me because I'm not your son. But what he begins to show me as we continue to grow older and I continue to grow older is that his relationship with me is not by force, it's by choice. He takes me because he wants me. I'm his because he desires to be in a relationship with me. This is what God leads me to understand. If my people who are called by my name, you don't have to be a part of God's people. You don't have to be called by his name. But he's made a choice to choose you. He's made a choice that even when you jacked up and you wrong, you still as people. Even when you claim you're doing right, but you're still sneaking and doing your dirt, you still as people. Even when you lie to his face, not somebody else's face, but to his face, you still his people. Because he has a heart that desires to embrace you. I want to make sure that you understand, because somebody said, well, Pastor, this is dealing with the Old Testament. How is this relevant in the New? Because God wanted you to be his people so much that he gave his only begotten son. He says that you are imperfect, you steady mess up, you steady have issues, so I'm going to answer your prayer. I'm going to send the final sacrifice that can redeem you and restore you to your rightful place. I'm going to bring healing to the land. 
And so he sends his only begotten son to be that connection, to be that, that unifying factor that brings us as a people to a position of being his people. To bring us in a position of being in poverty to prosperity. To live in a life of problems to a life full to perfection. Jesus is the one thing that turns that situation around. Can I tell you something? Just because we know Jesus, just because I know Jesus, don't mean that my money don't end up funny sometimes. But the truth is that because I know Jesus, he fixes it sooner than some other people. He, he just fixes that thing sooner. I was just celebrating this past week. My car, I hate driving around with my check engine light. It hurts my heart to drive around with my check engine light because I never know when something is going to go wrong. My check engine light was on. It was this little bitty sensor they call an all-pressure sensor. The sensor cost me $80. I thought I could fix it myself. Uh, my dad taught me how to fix a lot of things. Come to find out, Chevy done got slick, and they put things in difficult places. And so I couldn't get behind the motor, in between the motor and the cab to get it. And so I had to call Chevy. How much would it cost to get this? One place was telling me $600. The other one was saying $700. I was like, no, the devil is a lie. It ain't going down this year, not around this time. So I drove my car for a couple of more weeks, went over there to the hood, off Camp Wisdom, Oak Cliff, Redbird, went over there, found a place. Hey, man, how much would you charge me to fix this sensor? Oh, man, I could do it for 500 You know, I got to do all this. I got to take the motor top off and, and all this, and I get it. I don't know. All right, God bless you. I'll see you when I see you. I'm going to keep on driving this thing. Hired a guy for my job that I didn't even really want to hire but he kept begging, kept asking, and I felt the need that, you know, God was saying, you know, give him a chance. And so I had a position. I gave him a chance, and I was training him. In the midst of training him, he says to me, uh, he's driving around. I was telling him, he was driving around in my, in my car. I was showing him some of the different sites, and I showed him, listen, man, uh, my check engine light is on. I hate really driving my car. We just going to jump in the truck. He's like, man, I got somebody to fix that. What is it about? And I told him, what's my oil pressure sensor? He says, listen, there's somebody that's in Cedar Hill. I live in Cedar Hill. Uh, and I was like, man, that's perfect. That's just right around the corner. He's like, he'll fix that. Let me call him. He got on the phone, Spanish guy. I can't speak what he speak, but he was just speaking. Hey, blah, 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 it was just going down. And I was like, man, at the end of the day, how much is it going to cost me? Oh, man, just give him something. Just give him something. I was like, no, nah, I need to know how much it's going to cost me. So I take it over there to him. I, said, I just want to bless y'all. I want y'all to see this full cycle. He sends me over to the place. I drop my car off at the place. It's a hole in the wall looking shop all, all over the place. I'm like, Jesus, I don't know if my Tahoe needs to be in this place, but God, let's see how this thing is going to work out. An older man comes out, hands are, are kind of arthritic, and I'm like, no, nah, man, he's, this dude is not going to be able to get this done. He looks at it. I show him and says, oh, yeah, I got it. Give me a couple of hours. I'll make it happen. He brings out this tool. This is how good God is. A tool you can't even buy at a store. Something that he's welded a screwdriver to something and another piece. He, he's manufactured. He was created for this purpose. He was uniquely designed. He, he forms this thing. And what he does is he pulls my car in. We go and we talk for a minute before we can leave his parking lot. He says, your car is finished. Now, keep in mind, the other place told me that, hey, I'm going to have to take your motor off the top and things, and we're going to have to switch this off and all of this. Chevy ain't going to tell you what they got to do. They're just going charge to you, charge you for it. And he, before we can leave the lot, he's like, your car is finished. We drive back. now. You, you playing, dude. You lying. I come back. I get in my car. Engine light gone, gone off. Pressure, oil pressure goes to where it's supposed to go. Everything is showing. And he shows me this tool, and he shows me this piece and how he did it. And he says, I just made this. I'm like, man, you need to get this thing patented. Because somebody needs to make some money off of this tool. Why do, you, why do you tell me that? Because the fact of the matter is I can stress about all the problems that I have. But because I serve a perfect God, I know that he'll provide for me. Yeah. 
What could have cost me seven seven hundred dollars ended up only it, o- it only cost me eighty, but I gave him one hundred and fifty because guess what? I'm blessed to be a blessing. Yeah. Uh, listen, you saved me some, so let me bless you. And so I tell you that sometimes to make sure that you understand this: just because things seem like they're designed to stress you, don't let it stress you out. Don't let it break you. I mean, the enemy comes to attack you, but the Word of God says this simply: that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. It didn't say that the weapons are not going to form. It says that even though they do form, they're not going to prosper. Can I tell you essentially what you need to be looking at when the devil sends things against your way? My son has a Nerf gun. It's not a real gun. It's a Nerf gun. He tries to shoot the little Nerf gun at me and thinking it's going to hurt me. And the whole time he tries to shoot it at me, I'm like, ooh, ow. Like, it's like, this really going to destroy me. Anything the devil is going to throw at you is not going to destroy you. It's not going to break you. So the thing is that you just look at it and you look at it and you go to battle knowing that if I'm looking at it, oh man, this ain't nothing. I can keep on pushing through. I can keep on pushing through because this may be designed to break me, but because I know that the battle is already won, it can't break me. Because I know that the victory has already been established, it, it can't break me. This is simply an illusion to try to get me to turn away from what God has asked me to do. Now catch this, Pastor. How does that, how does that take place in my life? How, how should I allow that? to resonate with me because I know who I am because I know that I'm not alone I'm not going through these things alone and because I know that I'm his when problems come my way I don't know I, I, I can't expect this no other, express this no other way but I don't have to be afraid and the reason why I don't have to be afraid is because these are not real problems the realest problem that I could have ever faced was living a life that was destined to death And I've already answered that problem through accepting Christ. And when I accept Christ, anything that I go through on behalf of Christ raises me a bar in the eyes of God. And so we have to get to a point not where we want to avoid all issues, but we want to overcome the issues. The issues will be there. The issues will be present. But God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal the land. God wants to do some great things in your life, but in order for God to do it, you first have to realize who you are. The first step of the healing process is realizing that you are the people of God. Realizing who you are will then define what you do and what you receive. What an amazing word from God. Listen, we thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message. And it's because of that that we want to extend two invitations to you. Our first invitation is if you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, for you to actually stop in and worship with us at Believer City Church. We would greatly appreciate the opportunity to get to know you better. The second thing that we would invite you to do is if you want to partner with us in ministry, this message has been able to impact your life in any way, form, or fashion. You're able to partner with us simply by going to our website at believercity.org and clicking on the Give tab and just donating whatever God allows to your heart to do so. Uh, you can also download our app by going to Google Play or the app store and download Believer City Church and there's ways that you can connect with us there, pray with us, give and so many things that you can do to stay connected to the Believer City community. 
We thank you again for listening to this message, and we look forward to worshiping with you in the future. God bless you.